0: Thank you for downloading the Wings Museum podcast. Later, we catch up with co-curator Daniel Hunt. But first, we find out why one visitor
1: is at the museum. Hi, I'm Mike O'Neill. I'm part of the Old Dogs Walking Group, which is based in Oxted. We walk every week on a Thursday. We walk through the summertime in surrounding areas in Surrey, Kent and Sussex. And during the winter, we walk in London and see some of the historical sites of London. Once a year we go to a battlefield which can be in UK, France and for various reasons we go from battles like Agincourt right through to Second World War battles. This coming September, which is in 2019, we're going to Arnhem to celebrate the 75 years of the Arnhem drop of the paratroopers and in that respect my air knowledge comes into itself because I'm very keen on planes, particularly on Second World War planes and the main supply plane for both the parachutists and the supplies was the Dakota, the C-47 Dakota. And so I've got the walking club to come down here today. We walked various miles to get here, which covers the walking part of the group. Uh, and we've been inside the Dakota. I've explained to them how it worked, how many went on board, how many paratroopers would be, and the problems with the plane. And uh, we've had a very nice time. Uh, I must say, this air museum is really amazing. It's out of the way, so you've really got to work hard to find it. But it's for the most interesting artifacts or remains, whatever you want to call it. But it's a very interesting museum. Perhaps the highlight is the Dakota, but apart from that, there's lots of other very interesting airplane stuff.
0: You've been out for. A- Nice walk, you've had some lunch and you've uh, come into the museum after that. What kind of breadth of knowledge do you have as a group? Is, is, is everyone interested in coming to somewhere like this?
1: That's a quite interesting point. We have a lot of very interesting people within the group, but everybody seems to want to learn something. So you can become what you think is an expert in a particular subject, perhaps a Dakota, and somebody who asks a question which you hadn't come across before. A lot of us, to be fair, have had reasonable jobs in, in the past, so have, if you like, had the time and the money to explore other things. And we do like exploring, exploring, if you like, subjects we don't understand. And that means the guys who don't know about flying love the idea of seeing as Dakota, because a lot of them will be going to Arnhem for the idea of seeing the scenery, the drinks and everything else, but learning a bit more about the Second World War. So to come here again, see a Dakota, get the feel for it all, is great. I don't think any of them really realise how cramped a Dakota is and just how tough it must be for the guys inside trying to trying to go through gunfire low altitude etc and uh, then parachute into occupied territory
0: indeed quite, I mean, quite an experience and yeah. being inside an actual plane like this I mean you've got 15 people here today sure I mean it's probably not far off the right kind of numbers to no, s- sure. start feeling quite
1: uncomfortable in indeed them. well we, we, we tried very hard to bring 20 here today as you can ma- imagine with a very hot day we, we asked the older people not to come. We're all quite old, but <laughs> even, even older, didn't come. And so, when you say people are asking questions, what kind of questions were people asking today? Well, uh, there weren't a lot of questions, because I th- like to think my presentation was so good. <laughs> All-encompassing, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but, were, but the, the, the questions were much more simple questions, like, oh, I see, really. Uh, little things like, there's only one exit door for a Dakota. And then if you go into that deeper... It's because of vortex, or whatever you call it, the back of a plane, is always a problem for parachutes drop drop from either side. Little things like that came up in the conversation. Mm. But basically, no, they were just very interested to know what was going on and appreciate the size. The other great thing about coming here today is to see the size of the containers and panniers which are being thrown out or discharged over Arnhem. Because when we get to Arnhem, that's going to be an important factor about how these things came down and how big they were, etc. mm
0: No, particularly if you're going to to see where these things were happening. Sure. I mean, uh, the Dakota is presumably something that's, without wanting to use a pun, has been on most people's radar for quite a while, but perhaps not looked into it that much detail.
1: No, and I think particularly now, because our age group is remembering our first flights in a DC-3, which is the commercial variant, and then realising just how much the Dakota meant to the whole Second World War effort. I don't know whether you know, but Eisenhower said it's our greatest asset throughout the whole Second World War. So it was, it's really good, really good, you know. So to learn about that is, is very interesting. We're based in Oxted, so to see it here is local. It took me a bit of searching to find it. I thought I'd have to pay to go down to one of the airfields in Kent to get a sort of tour around, around uh, actually flying version. But fortunately finding this was the in-between situation. And by finding this, I found a lot of other interesting stuff. And then, of course, what does come from this is that you bring friends and they bring friends. So, I've brought down here only a week ago an uh, Air Vice Marshal from the IF, a flying Air Vice Marshal, right. who flew the Canberra, knew yeah. all about the Canberra here, far more than you guys <laughs> knew about the Canberra here, yeah. and the exit from the Canberra and these sort of things. Um, and so, it's, 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 as a museum, it's interesting that it's not just people who come in the door that you think are going to be enjoying it and perhaps come back a second time, it's their friends. Friends who may come two, three, four times, mm. you know,
0: and you say that your your group is, dare I say, all of a certain age. Yep. I mean, presumably passing on this kind of interest to future generations
1: is something that um, a lot of you will be doing naturally. Yes, we will. Yes, our group, I would guess, is an average age of sixty-eight. I would guess mm. seventy. At yep. that age group, we're all reasonably fit. And we're all very keen on it. But, you know, there's a big gap between us being keen and our sons and daughters (laughs) being keen, you know. The sons and daughters like these sort of museums, but I think more important they like the actual battlefields because then they get an appreciation of what's gone on and then they come back to a museum like this. So if you take what's going to happen at Arnhem in September, I'm sure there's going to be some middle-aged people who could be our children who watch the TV, watch the film of Arnhem and then think, now where can I learn more about this? And they come to somewhere like this.
0: And things like the D Day anniversaries absolutely. and all, all these other anniversaries. Prompting people into looking Absolute, into it a bit more. Isn't absolutely.
1: It? And and of course we're all interested in history. I say or oh, we as a group definitely are. And I think most people are interested in history. And I think it's very interesting when you look at the way UK's developed, what history we have on that with Germany, now the EU, or the all the present problems going on with that. Mm. You know, it's very
0: interesting to look back. It's by visiting these places and seeing things yep. that it, it is keeping yep some stuff alive isn't it yes, really
1: yes most definitely most definitely and I think it's great and there's so much here of, of hidden history which is wonderful you've got a few nice planes in the back there that Canberra coming through bringing the Canberra through is really interesting okay. I think it's hard, very hard to do, work out percentage wise how more popular World War II is this year than it we'll was say 10 years ago you know but what I do think is interesting is if you go to places like Normandy you see middle aged French and Belgium and Dutch on the beaches of Normandy, telling their young children about what happened. And I think that in itself is fantastic because Mm. we're not promoting that. The situation in itself promoted that. And so it's, it's a great historical thing all the way through yeah really you know, I
0: mean I think people do grow into being interested about these yes. things as well you start to look into things and you know yeah. you, you perhaps find family connections or yeah. you know of visiting somewhere with yeah. a story or even you know coming to a museum yeah. and seeing something yeah. and thinking well you know that is of interest
1: yeah because the other interesting thing is if you also take another statistical sort of cutting down yeah. a lot of the second world war guys never said anything about it until they were 65-70 if indeed then yeah. yeah but a lot more talked then than they ever did at when they came out in 1945 yeah. and that's interesting well, because now we get much more information about how bad it was what went on what, you know, mm. I think in lots of areas uh, you walk away from here having seen something which you haven't got really in your mind as to what it was and you walk away and think oh must go back there and look at that another time. It's almost too much to take in in one visit, isn't it? And of course, there's too much to take in here because what you haven't done, which is not wrong, is put anything in a sort of chronological order. You've put all over the place. In lots of ways, it's good because there are bits and pieces of engines, planes, etc. which you may think, I'd like to go back and see that. really would, you know? For me, this is my third or fourth visit and I'll be coming again, that's for sure. And it's also a nice place to bring a member of family as well. I'm well treated by the, by the reception as you know <laughs> so you'll certainly see me here again but also it's great that you're actually buying up other things to put in here you know getting the Canberra to be this side of the, the barrier and and then mm. the work you're doing on some other places which I've actually had opportunity of seeing as well is all great so I think long term this is going to become more popular and certainly for me I will become more often I think you're doing a very good job including you <laughs> thank you very much <laughs> so just
0: catching up with uh Co-curator Daniel Hunt, it's good to be on a a Thursday away from those noisy volunteers banging and crashing in the background the whole time. How is the opening all week going?
2: Um, It's going very well. I mean, we only announced it sort of fairly recently and it always takes a bit of time for these things to filter through to the public. But we've had a, a group booking today. In fact, we've had three group bookings today and uh, we're always uh, welcoming group bookings and wanting to hear from other organisations and I think it makes, it makes a museum more available for people, being open six days a week. So uh, if anybody would like to make an inquiry, they can uh, either get the contact number off the website or they can send an email to bookings at wingsmuseum.co.uk. And
0: I know you're also looking for more volunteers to help run it on these six days a week.
2: Yes, we've, um, we're actually looking for front of house staff because obviously now we're open six days a week. We're in need of people that can just sort of man the till and just be friendly and sort of meet with people and deliver the important message that the museum gives to people, really, which is you know one of remembrance and appreciating what happened 75 years ago. And it doesn't necessarily take any prior
0: knowledge, just an interest
2: yeah absolutely I mean everybody comes from all sorts of walks of life Um, everybody's really friendly it's fairly relaxed here because we appreciate that people are volunteers so uh, we'd love to hear from anybody that's got a day in the week or maybe the weekend that can uh, help us out
0: so school holidays just starting now What, what we got coming up
2: Well, we've got a few events coming up. One of the major events is actually happening on the 3rd of August, and that's a Saturday, the 3rd of August. We've got some bomber command veterans coming to join us for the day, but also we are running up the Wings Museum Halifax Merlin, Rolls-Royce Merlin engine, and the reason that makes it unique is that it's the only one in Europe that is actually in the configuration of a Halifax bomber. So it does sound a little bit different than most Merlins that are fitted in Lancasters and Spitfires and Hurricanes and many other types. This one's special because it's what we call a Remembrance Merlin because the actual history behind this particular engine is that it was shot down over Germany and uh, it was discovered in 2010 by a uh, German historian who found some ordnance on board and the authorities were called to deal with it and they also found these four Merlin engines and uh, a bit of research later on indicated that the crew were tragically all killed and the skipper was 19 years old so we got all four engines back to the uk and then uh, here at the museum and also with a lot of outside help and at flight international up in leeds we restored one of the Merlins to run again on a special stand And uh, we'll be running that up on the 3rd of August, so we run it in the memory of the crew. We read their names and ages, and then we uh, tell people a little bit about what happened that fateful night. And then uh, George Dunn will be hitting the start button, and he is an ex-Halifax pilot, so it's quite a unique sound. So we encourage people to come along and support us on that day. So is it unusual to be able to get salvaged engines running It is very unusual because in most circumstances the aircraft can be doing sort of 450 miles an hour if it's doing a vertical out of control crash I mean the likelihood of the engine running would be pretty impossible but we're not sure exactly what happened, obviously only those that were there can tell their story and of course they're not here to tell it so we can only use a little bit of um, sort of a little bit of guesswork and a bit of research to tell us what happened but they were intercepted at 14,000 feet by a night fighter pilot and he was an ace. Um, We can only sort of assume that they took evasive action um, in the form of corkscrewing which uh, was a violent manoeuvre to try and shake the night fighter off and sometimes they could do up to two or three of these and being the fact that we know that uh, it was an ace pilot he obviously kept on their tail and obviously the fatal blow was delivered. The aircraft was set on fire and quite possibly by the time they recovered the aircraft um, and leveled it out, they were too low to bail out. Um, Also another strong possibility is that the crew might well have already, a lot of them might have already been killed in the attack, but the aircraft crashed at a shallow angle and it crashed in a very soft part that was basically a bog so the engines went in near horizontal and they were only about a metre and a half in the ground. So therefore the damage was limited. So being static, they would never fly again. Um, but we were able to repair them so that they could at least run. And you say repair, I mean, that sounds simple. Is, was that
0: complicated, expensive?
2: Um, I, you know, well, it had a cost for sure. I mean, um, it's it was a big job. It involved specialist work. But, for example, engine casing was repaired and welded, which is a specialist welding that's needed. And, uh, as I say, we used Flight International in Leeds because they'd done it many times before. And they were, well, we trust their work because, obviously, we could find someone that will give it a go, but, obviously, safety is a consideration. Giving it a
0: go isn't what you want when you've got a group of people watching such a thing from close range
2: yeah absolutely and that's one of the reasons why the engine isn't actually on public display because it is a running engine so we actually have a team of volunteers who work at gatwick in the aviation industry and they look after the maintenance side of things on the engine but obviously if it was sitting inside the museum then you know anybody could fiddle with it we may be unaware of it you know and then obviously it gets started. And it's not just the safety element of it, it's the fact that they could seriously damage the engine and obviously after everybody's hard work that would be a pretty, pretty devastating thing to happen to it. But you say you've got four, all four of the engines back. Are the other three on display? Yeah, the other three are on display in the Allied Bomber Offensive section of the museum and uh, they are exactly as recovered, so people can appreciate how this engine looked. But we've also restored the original engine bearer, so they'll still see damage, evident damage on the engine, damage that hasn't needed to be repaired. We've left because it's all part of the story. It's run in their memory, so what happened? And that damage is all part of that story.
0: Thank you for listening to the Wings Museum podcast. For more information or to get in touch, visit www.wingsmuseum.co.uk.